Okay. So, last week, we'll do some review. Uh, last week, we studied the clash of two wills, right? Will Mata and Will Fuller. And who won? Will Mata. Will Mata. Okay, if they had a foot race, who do you think would win? Will Mata or Will Fuller? Mata. Will. Will would win. You know Will Fuller's like a collegiate athlete, right? And he plays soccer. Yeah. Will would win. Yes, that's the right answer. But Will Fuller, I mean, Will Mata, he runs like all the time. It's true. Man, I don't know. I maybe. Did he? I think so. That's what he told me. Did he really? That's interesting. I don't think he told you that. I think you just made that up. What's on your. Oh, Mossy Oak. Okay, cool. Um. Okay, so we talked about the clash of two wills. We talked about God's will, and we talked about man's will, or our will, right? And how those two things clash. We talked about two instances, really, of where those clash. Number one, we saw that God's desire is that all would be saved, that everyone would be saved, that everyone would put their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's God's will. Yet, not everyone surrenders their life to Jesus as their Lord and Savior, right? So there's a clash, the clash of salvation or not. And then we also saw that God desires that we'd be surrendered in our daily life. So every day beyond your salvation, every day after your salvation, God wills that you would be sanctified, that you would be thankful, all these things that clash against our, uh, you know, our will. We don't want to surrender. We don't want to do those things naturally. And so uh, we see that he wants everyone to be surrendered, yet not everyone surrenders. So this morning we're going to talk about uh, the man with a plan. God is the man with a plan. He's got a will, and he also has a plan. And we're going to look at that plan. Before we do, uh, we need to pray. So, Seth, will you pray for our time this morning? Did you pray last week? Uh, I don't know. Okay. I he did. Last week. You did? Oh, that's yeah. right. Okay, Seth, will you? No, you should pray. <laughs> Seth will be. Um, Seth will be the 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 new Raytown Bible study leader in January, Lord willing. I guess I told him to pray about it, and he, and he hasn't told me whether he would or not. Pray for Seth, because he might be the Raytown Bible study leader, okay? And if he doesn't, then I don't know who would. So, uh, yeah, Seth, would you pray for us? Okay. Um, Lord Jesus, uh, um, I pray that you bless our time and help us to hear from you today. And, um, yeah, give Jeff the words to speak and um, help us all to listen. Uh, Lord, I love you, and I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay. So, God's a man with a plan. So there's three uh, plans that we're going to talk about that God has. That we're going to talk about the plan in your life. We're going to talk about the plan through your life. And we're going to talk about the plan beyond your life. Uh, we're going to focus mostly on the plan in and the plan through your life. But let's jump into verse 7. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7. We'll cover 7 through 12 this morning. And in verse 7 it says, uh, In whom we have redemption through His blood. Who, think, who do you think we're talking about? Jesus. Jesus. 
in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. We have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. And so I want to hone in on what we have, the spiritual reality that we, we live in. We have to acknowledge that, okay? We have to acknowledge the spiritual reality that we live in. We have to acknowledge what is true about us if you're a believer. And it is that you have forgiveness of sins. We have to, we have to recognize the reality that everyone has access to the forgiveness of sins. According to the riches of His grace. So Psalm 130 verses 1 through 4, it says this. This is what the psalmist says. This is what David says. He recognized that there's forgiveness of sins from God. He says, out of the depths have I cried unto thee, O Lord. He says, Lord, hear my voice. Let thine ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications or the things that I'm asking you for, the things that I need. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. If thou, Lord, shouldest mark iniquities, if God is, if God is putting little check marks every time we have iniquity, every time we sin, every time we disobey, every time we fall short of the glory of God, every time we lack faith, Every time we think something wrong about another brother or sister, every time we say a lie, every time we lust, if God is marking those things down, David says, Oh Lord, who shall stand? If we get what we deserve, we're all toast. Do you, do you know that? If you and I, if we get what we absolutely deserve, if we get justice, the world is all about justice these days. Oh, we need justice. Yeah, if, if you want justice, you're actually signing up for the wrath of God. He says, but there's forgiveness with thee. But there's forgiveness with thee. The Lord has forgiveness. He's just. And justice will be served. And we're going to talk about that. Justice will be served. But there is forgiveness with thee that thou mayest be feared. So here's the reality. We deserve the wrath of God because of our sin, because of our disobedience. And yet there's forgiveness. And we can acknowledge that God will and does forgive us. Oh my, if I would just see that I'm forgiven, the Bible says, then I'm going to fear the Lord. Because that shows how much power He has. He could, let his, he could, he could uh, unload His wrath on me, and yet He doesn't. He's forgiving. He's meek. He has power, but He doesn't have to use it in that way. Right? That's, that's pretty awesome. In Psalm 86, verse 5, this is a verse that Nate preached about uh, a while back. And um, it stood out to me, and it's made this verse stand out in my mind. I think it should stand out in your mind, too. I think it's up here, yeah. It says, For thou, Lord, art good and ready to forgive 
and plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon thee. Ready to forgive. There's forgiveness of sins, right? With God, there's forgiveness. There's forgiveness of sins through Jesus Christ. And can I just remind us, can I remind us of where, where, we, where we stand uh, before salvation? Really quick, let's just remember where we stand before salvation. Okay? John 3, verse 17 and 18 says this, For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world. God didn't send Jesus to condemn you. God didn't send Jesus down to earth to say, mm, you're bad, and you're bad, and you messed up this way, and you did this wrong. He didn't send Jesus to come condemn and judge the world. But that the world through Him might be saved. In other words, that they might have forgiveness of sins. He that believeth on Him is not condemned. But here it is. But he that believeth not is condemned already. Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. In Christ you have forgiveness that we don't deserve, that you don't deserve. But, but before you are in Christ, before you have salvation, you are condemned. And so you were condemned. Saint, believer, you were condemned. You were headed, you were destined to go. You, you, well, you weren't destined, I won't say that. You were on a path to go and, and burn in hell for eternity. Because of your sin. And then there was forgiveness. Doesn't that make you fear the Lord? Doesn't that make you thankful? I just want you to think about that. I'm not talking about in general. Doesn't that just, doesn't that just always make you thankful? No, I'm talking about right now. Thinking right now. Just consider your salvation. Behold the salvation of the Lord. You were going to burn in hell for eternity. And now you've been forgiven of all of that. Okay, but maybe you're like, I don't know if I've been forgiven. It's critical then that this morning, if you don't know if you're saved, if you don't know that you've put your faith, your trust in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, if you don't know that you've done that, there's nothing more critical, there's nothing more urgent this morning than seeing the forgiveness of the Lord. You have to see that this morning. Because we're not promised tomorrow. I was driving home on Friday, and there's this like humongous backup on the highway. I'm like, ah, oh, come on. And then there's like these trucks that say road work ahead that are like zooming past everybody. So I'm like, this is great. You know, I'm all slowed down because there's, road work up ahead and then I, I you know I'm making moves trying to get as far ahead as I can and it's kind of hot so I roll my window down and then I realize that was a mistake because right in front of me was a truck full of cows with manure in it and it smelled absolutely atrocious and so I was like this really really sucks um, and so I'm like I'm stuck there's road work and there's cow manure in front of me. This is bad. But as traffic slowly moved along, inched along, 
just before my exit, I realized there's not road work. It wasn't road work that was stopping everything up. There's about six police cars on the side of the road, and there's a tow truck. And the tow truck has its tow attached to a motorcycle that looks like that cello case. I mean, it's just completely brutalized. It's completely, it's not even, it's not a motorcycle anymore. It's a big chunk of metal. And the tow truck guy was, he was attaching it there and he was going to drag this big heap of metal back up onto the tow truck. And that was like really sobering. Like, because I, I imagine the person who was riding that motorcycle is either not alive or they're in really bad shape. Because their motorcycle that's made of metal looks like a cello case. Right? And I guarantee you that guy on the motorcycle was not thinking, you know what? This might be my last ride. I, I, might, I, might, I might die today. He's probably not thinking that. Because we don't think that way. But this morning, can I just remind you that you are not in control of your life. God holds your life in His hand. And He wants you, he wants you to have a fruitful, abundant life. And yet, you don't know when the end of your life is. You don't know when it is. And so if you don't know that you're saved, there is nothing more urgent than you knowing that no matter what happens to you, if you do die, you've got eternal life. You, you'll go on for, for eternity with God. And then you're not worried about dying. Right? If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, man, there's forgiveness. And this forgiveness, this redemption, it comes from a very wealthy, a very rich man, God the Father. Because the verse says it's according to the riches of His grace. He's rich in grace. He's rich in grace toward you. And He wants to bless your life. And I'm not saying He wants to give you lots of money and give you lots of things. That's not what He's worried about. He's preparing a mansion for you. He's not worried about what size house you live in on, on earth. Right? He's got that taken care of. But He does want you to, to live an enriched life. He wants you to have all of the fruit of the Spirit. He wants you to have all of the knowledge, all of the wisdom, all of the prudence. He wants you to be fruitful. He wants you to have all of these souls. He wants you to have all these people that you can say, you're my crown of rejoicing. He wants that for you. And he says in John chapter 10, verses 10 and 11, he says, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy I am come, Jesus said, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Jesus came not to condemn you, but to give you forgiveness, to save you, and to give you life that's abundant, that's rich, that's full of His grace, that's full of His peace, that's full of His joy. Why is that so unfamiliar to us? What's the joy of the Lord? I'm just kind of doing my own thing. Peace? I'm anxious all the time. God, God wants us to enjoy the riches of His grace. 
He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. So here's the key. It's a question. And the key is this. Are you enjoying the abundant life of redemption, forgiveness, and grace? Do you recognize what God has done in your life? Do you recognize what you have in Christ? Do you recognize that your Father is rich in grace? He's got everything you could possibly need. And He's a good, generous Father. Because when we recognize that, this next section, here in, here in a moment, the next section will make a lot more sense. Okay, we're gonna, we talked about, that's, that's God's plan in your life. It's forgiveness. It's redemption. It's for you to enjoy abundant life. That is His plan in your life. But this next section of looking at God's plan through your life, unless you realize and receive His plan in your life, this abundant life, the redemption, the forgiveness, unless you receive that and you cling to that, His plan through your life is not going to come to action. And this morning, this morning I believe wholeheartedly that the majority of you in this room love God. I believe that. I believe you love God. I do. The thing that's missing from our group is a burning passion, a fire for God. We are missing that. And the reason I can say that is because, is because if we had that burning passion, that burning zeal for God, then what that looks like is that comes out of our life. It comes out of our life. And I have to ask the question, can you shut up about Jesus? And if you can, you're not on fire for the Lord. Right? If you can shut up about Jesus, I think, I think you might not be realizing the abundant life of redemption and forgiveness that you actually have. Does that make sense? But I believe all of you, at least a lot of you, at least most of you, like if you know God, I believe you love Him. I'm not saying that's not there. But like the disciple, like the apostles, like they had been with Jesus, right? And then what did they do? Attend a comfortable church? It wrecked their life. It changed their lives completely. And I look at our group. I look at my life. I look at us, and I and I think, man, I think we're kind of comfortable. I think we've lost the urgency that would be present in, say, a church plant, right? Like, if this is a church plant, are we doing things the same way? Like, if, if, if you're out on a field all by yourself, like if you're in Boston, like, is this what the youth looks like in Boston? Is this what the youth looks like in Tampa? I can tell you, there's one girl in Tampa, at Living Faith Tampa, and she's in mentorship. Her name is Nikki, and she was praying in some prayer vigil thing that they had at the church at like 11 p.m. 
And I, I don't know. I know Nikki casually. I really love Nikki. When she was in, when she was here in Kansas City, she was uh, maybe coming into sixth grade. She was tiny, right? So I didn't get to do ministry with Nikki. Very sweet girl. But she's now all alone in Tampa. One girl. Do you think she's just rolling into the church thinking, man, this is great. How are you guys doing? Yeah? All right, cool. <laughs> Let me get some coffee. It's good to be here this morning. My name's Nikki. I enjoy church. Silly, right? That's kind of the attitude we have. That's, I mean, really, that's kind of the attitude we have. We roll in. It's comfy. It's cool. Friends are here. It's a good time. Bro, do you understand that people this morning will die and go to hell? Do you understand that? Do we see that? Do we recognize the reality that people are dying all around us? That people in your schools will die this year. They will die and they will go to hell. And what kind of Christians are we if we're okay with that? What kind of Christian am I if I'm okay with people dying and going to hell? It doesn't matter if I know them or not. It matters that they're a soul and that God knows them and God loves them. Do you have a care for souls? If you do, wake up. Realize the abundant life you have. Get on fire because souls will literally be on fire for eternity if you don't. Goodness. If people can rally and riot and destroy stores and and they can build a movement and they can see people changed and people's minds transformed from reason to darkness. Can, can we not say, you know what? We've got to do something. I, got, I have to do something. And that something is, I've got to get desperate in prayer for the, for the lost. I've got to seek the Lord. Because if I don't, people will die and go to hell for eternity. My prayer is that we wouldn't be able to say, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with people dying. I I don't know them, so it's okay. So here's the plan through your life. This is the plan of God through your life. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 8, it says, Wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will. He's made known unto us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself. So here's, here's what happened. God has given himself for us and he's given himself to us. He has presented himself to you and takes up residence in your, inside your heart. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have the literal presence of God inside of you. He's totally given to you and calls himself your father. He claims you. And he desires that you would claim him. God presents himself and his will and his pleasure to us, showing us the plan he wants to work in and through us. You understand, he's given himself to you and he says, all right, now let's go. Let's do this. And maybe you're thinking, well, what is, what is this? What do I do? Okay, I see the value of a soul. You're yelling at me, Jeff. I understand. I should care about souls. But what do I do? I'm not going to get up and preach on Sunday morning. 
I'm a teenager. Okay, here's, here, let's lay it out. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. So long ago, God had planned it out that there are good works that you and I are to walk in. There are things that God wants us to do. There's a work that we are to give ourselves to. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 lays it out in this way. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward. He's not willing that any should perish, that all should come to repentance. God wants us to work. God wants people to be saved. And here it is, Romans 10, verses 13 to 15. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him whom they have not believed? How do you call on somebody if you don't believe in them? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? How do you believe in someone if you haven't heard of them? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Teenager at MBT, can I just can I say something as clear as I possibly can to you? And if you'll get this, I believe that you may be liberated to do this, to be a preacher. Preaching the gospel for you and for me isn't going to be perfect. Nor is it going to be comfortable. You don't have, you don't have to, to study and put together an outline. You don't have to understand all of the different theologies that our church teaches. You don't have to be all the way through mentorship, all the way through discipleship, involved in D2, going to LFBI. You don't have to do that. You just have to be willing to say, I don't care what people think about me, and I don't care what happens to me. I have to preach the gospel. I have to tell people about this abundant life that I have. I have to tell them. Forget this notion that you have to be some educated, put-together teacher in order to preach the gospel. And I think that subtly has crept in because we're a teaching church. We're a discipleship church. We value very highly the investment of the Word of God from one believer into another. Rightly so, like we should. However, you're not on the sideline because you can't do that. You're not actually out of the game. You are very much in the game. You're definitely involved. And here's the reality, okay? People who come in and they get saved into our youth group and they haven't grown up in the church... They're far more evangelical than those of us who have grown up in the church. Why? Why is that? It's because you're afraid. You think you have to have some special message put together and it has to be like your parents who are leaders in the church and all this and that. Bro, it doesn't have to be that. It's literally a conversation where you, where you get into the conversation somehow and then you lay out the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for the, for the sins of the world. And you can lay that out and tell someone about that. And they want to hear it because they need to hear it. 
And God will use you to do that. It's as simple as that. Quit complicating it. Open your mouth. Just do it. Here's the key. Preaching isn't going to be perfect. It's not going to be comfortable. But it, it needs to be happening and it needs to be normal. Get to the place where you recognize it doesn't matter what people think about me. I don't care. It doesn't matter. It really, like, it doesn't matter. What matters more is what God thinks about me. I think some of you are there. But you don't know what God thinks of you. So you can't help but think about what other people think about you. You know what God thinks about you? He's absolutely crazy about you. He loves you so much. He adores you. You're very valuable to Him. He loves you more than He loves Himself. So who cares what other people think about you? You know? I mean, like... Why bother with, with that? When souls are at stake. You know? Souls are at stake. Without the gospel going forth with free course in our lives, without the gospel going forth and having its way and the people, our friends and family, they're going to have an eternity in what the Bible describes as, Mark chapter 9, verse 45, hell into the fire that never shall be quenched. Fire that, shall, that never shall be quenched. Re- Revelation 20, 14, it, it describes this in, Death and hell were, were then cast into the lake of fire. So this place of fire that never shall be quenched is then thrown into a lake of fire. So these people, maybe you're like, well, fire, okay, I mean, I can't even understand. Like, fire's warm, fire's only good. I'm not dumb enough to put my hand in the fire, so I don't know how hot it is really. Well, think about it like this. Hell is going to be a place where our friends and our family, our students, our peers, our parents, or whatever, who aren't saved, they're going to be uh, by themselves for eternity. You and me, we're going to be kicking it in heaven, praising the Lord for eternity. Our attitude will be, man... There's not enough days left to praise the Lord because this is just amazing. We're in the presence of God bodily. Like we're here. We're with Him. It's a worship service. And the lost people will be isolated. They're not even suffering together. They don't have a fellowship of suffering. They're by themselves burning in torment, in anguish. I can't be okay with that. (laughs) I can't. I don't know how anybody could, you know. How could you be okay? How could how could you be okay with that as a reality for anyone? You know what I mean? 
Will, will we open our mouths? Will we say something? Will we give them the truth that will set them free? Will we do that? There is an eternity completely absent and void of the God of all comfort. No comfort. The God who says that He is love. There's no love down there. The God of all peace. As the Bible describes Him, there's no peace. Awful existence. That we all deserve because of our sin. But that we can all be delivered from by the blood of Jesus Christ. God has a work for us to do. We have a work to give our lives to. We have something to lay our lives down for. Don't you understand? It doesn't matter what you do for a living. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. I mean, I care. Your parents care. But really, your job is nothing. It's a means for you to do ministry. But you can start that now. God's plan in your life. You've got God's, God's plan through your life. It's the gospel. It's prayer. And now let's consider this is kind of a, um, a technical thing. This is kind of a Bible student thing. And so I want to invite all of you into that, into that headspace. I want you to all view yourselves as Bible students. We are a teaching church. I think we're a discipleship church. I think a lot of people would um, say that that's, you know, what they have gotten the impression from, from being at this church, is that we like the Bible and we like to teach it. Um, even if that means at the expense of other things. And so I want to invite you into that mentality right now. And we'll read Ephesians chapter 1, verses 10 through 12. We'll see if we can't just see what God um, has laid out for us. So, verse 10. Well, let me back up and go 9 into 10. Uh, not, let's go 8. So, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence. Right? This is God, Jesus, having made known unto us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself. This is his, this is his will. This is the mystery of his will. That in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. Okay, the dispensation of the fullness of times. What that's going to look like is is God gathering together in one all things in Christ, things in heaven, on earth, in whom, okay, moving past that thought, in whom also, in Christ, we have also obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. So here's, let me just lay it out as simply as, as I can. There is coming a day where Jesus Christ will return to the earth and begin a 1,000 year reign. Jesus will physically rule on earth. That is, that's going to be uh, at the dispensation of the, the fullness of times. So right now, we're waiting for the Lord. 
Jesus is going to call us up to be with Him. We'll be raptured up. This is the way we describe it. We'll be raptured up. And then we won't be on earth anymore. And this is actually going to happen. But what will happen on earth is there's going to be a seven-year period. And there's going to be awful things that happen. Lots of people will die. The Antichrist will reveal himself. He's going to rule things. He's going to murder people. There's the mark of the beast, right? There's the 144,000 Jews. There's all of these like interesting, weird things as we talk about the end times and revelation. All of that's going to happen, okay? And you're not going to be here when that happens. You'll be with Jesus Christ. Okay, but then after that, after these seven years of, of the great tribulation, He's going to return. Or He will be manifestly the King of Kings. We call Him the King of Kings, but He will literally be ruling as King of Kings, as Lord of Lords here on earth in all the affairs of man. He will come and rule and He will then bring justice and peace to the earth. That's when He will lay out justice in the world. And this will happen in a future dispensation. Okay, so Philippians 2 verse 9 and 9 through 11 describes this, that every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess. There's coming a day where the whole world will say, Jesus is Lord. And they'll say that because He's here on earth. And He's revealing Himself. Right? Revelation 10 verse 5 through 7 also describes this. But here's the, here's the thing I want you to get from Ephesians. It's for us. We have an inheritance in Christ, the Bible says. Even now, because God predestinated us according to His purpose, according to His counsel, His will, that we, it's talking about the church, that we, being predestinated, uh, should be to the praise of His glory. So here's, here's the sum of that. Okay? God has this big plan Right? That goes in your life, that goes through your life, and then there's a plan that even goes beyond your life. Okay? There's things that are going to happen on earth, and you won't even be here. You won't even have a part in them. Right? It's beyond you. But He does have a plan. And then He's going to come, and we will return with Him. And there will be, uh, 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 there will be judgment. There will be justice that happens in a thousand-year reign. That's all stuff beyond us. But we get an inheritance in that. We get a part. We've been bought into that. We've been placed into this big plan that God has. We, the church. And so, in spite of, of that large plan, there's all these thousands of years of human history that have nothing to do with the church. And then you've got right now where God is dealing and using us. Right? And then there's going to come a time where He's like, alright, alright church, come back to the Jews. Come back to, to the Israelites. And I'm going to deal with them. And there's a thousand year reign. And, he's, and Jesus is now dealing with everything. Right? God has attention. God has affection for you through you, and beyond you. There's coming a day where the world will be a different place because you and I will be taken up. And then there's tribulation. And then we're brought back 
and fire will rain down after the thousand years. Judgment. And then hell and death and Satan and his minions are cast into the lake of fire. And the new heaven and new earth descend where, where we will enjoy eternal life with God. We get to be part of God's overwhelming, sovereign plan for all of His creation for eternity. We get to have a part. But I want to just bring us back. That's great. If you're saved, the future is looking really good for you. It is. But at some point, You've got to stop. Uh, just hear me out here. <clears throat> At some point, you've got to stop being a little child. And you've got to see and recognize that there is a work for me to give my life to. There's something that is, that is through me and beyond me. There is something that I am not in charge of. That I'm supposed to put all of my, my facilities, all of my faculties, all of my processes, all of my decisions, all of my actions, all of my energy. There is something that I'm supposed to give all of that to. With no turning back. Does that make sense? You have something to die for. You have something to live for. You see that? I'm, th I'm almost 30 years old. Okay? I almost said I'm 30. I'm not 30. I'm almost 30. I'm 29. I'll be 30 in May. And some of you are like, that's really old. Some of you are like, nah, that's kind of young. You're still young. Yeah, okay, whatever. I don't care. Doesn't matter. I don't care what you think about me. Here's what I know. I'm 30 years old. The counselors in this group, they're all 30 at least. Okay? I'm sure that they have processed this at some level, but here's what I'm processing right now. I'm almost 30 years old. I might be halfway, maybe more, through my life. What am I going to give my life to? What is going to be my life's work? I'm not going to bounce around from thing to thing and to do different things and to, to play at it. I'll have this hobby here, and, but then I'll do this, and then I'll change careers and do this and that and this. No, 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 no. Let's make it very simple. What will I give my life to? What will I be devoted and dedicated to day in and day out until the moment I die? What am I going to give myself to until I stop breathing? I'm making that decision at almost 30. You can make that decision right now. What do you got to wait for? You can, whatever. I mean, hey. But what if you decided right now as a 13, a 14, a 15, 16, whatever year old, you said, you know what? I don't care what I'm going to do for a living. I don't care what size house I have. I don't care who I marry. None of that stuff really matters at this moment. God will take care of all that. God will take care of that. I have a wife. I have a family. I have a house. I have all the things that I need, whatever. I'm not worried about that. What if you decided now, I'm just going to give myself to the gospel and to the work that God has given the church? What if that happened? 
You know what would happen? Do you know what would happen? Can I tell you what would happen? I don't know. I really don't. I don't know how we would feel that. I don't know how we would feel all of the fruit that would come from that. There'd be people who, who join you. There'd be people who come with you to church. There'd be people you would be leading to the Lord. There'd be people you are leading to the Lord. And it'll take time. It might not be another six months until you lead someone to the Lord if you decide today that you're going to give yourself to that. But man, I want to be part of that because that's what God's plan is. Does that make sense? Okay, I'm going to pray. We'll get out of here. If you feel like, you know what, I want to do that, I need to do that, I need to, I need to give my life to that work, or I need to be involved in some way, or I need to preach the gospel. Okay, well, what we're going to do is after I pray, we're going to have a collective time of prayer, praying for the lost. Okay? Okay, let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for this morning. Um, God, thank you for each of the students here. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that communicates through us, that teaches us, and that leads us um, in spite of me and, and my, um, my mind and my mouth and me just being in the way. God, thank you that you can speak through all of that straight to our hearts with your word. God, I do pray that you and your word would have uh, your way with us. And that, God, we, we wouldn't hang on to our lives, but that we would just totally give them to you. And, um, and we would be used by you. God, again, God, please let us, uh, let us be in a revival. God, start with the revival in our own hearts. God, stir us up. Break our hearts for your glory and for the lost. I ask in Jesus' name. Amen.